Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. So, got nothing better to do since classes are canceled. Yeah, seriously. Well, how's that? Um, what did they What did they tell you? Um, well, there's there's currently one active case of corona in Loudoun County, yeah. um, and my classes are in Ashburn, which is part of Loudoun County. Um, and it's just a 40-year-old man. There are more cases up in Northern Virginia and D.C. and Maryland than there are in the rest of Virginia. But most of the state's colleges are on spring break right now. Um, yeah. So they've decided just to do proactive, um, um, just proactively cancel classes through the rest of the month. Some, like UVA, for example, is closed until April 5th. Oh, I thought and they then, were closed for the rest of the season. No. Okay. No, so it's only for the next, like, two or three weeks, um, essentially, like, just a prolonged quarantine time yeah. to try and control the spread of the virus. But uh, for now, most schools had been discussing um, measures to do online learning, including elementary, middle, high school, like, primary schools and secondary schools um, and colleges and universities. Um, so they've, they've really done um, a lot of work beforehand and finally made the decision to go all online um, and each school is taking just different measures depending on what kind of classes are needed um, for example my labs are canceled so those are going to have to be made up but I still have my clinicals at the hospital cool so it's kind of important um, I mean it's a great time terrible to say for this pandemic to go on <laughs> while I'm in nursing school but it's an absolutely incredible experience I was talking to my dad last night about it um, because he's never experienced anything remotely like this. Um, I mean, SARS back in the early 2000s, but that was a very slow-moving virus. It didn't really cause that much of a scare, and even the H1N1 wasn't as virulent as this is. Was that the swine flu? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, H1N1 was bird flu. Bird flu? Yeah. Okay. So, the, I mean, there was swine flu, bird flu, and SARS. Okay. And none of them were to the degree that... Um, COVID-19 is. Yeah, the way they come up with these names is crazy. Well, um, this actually isn't the first coronavirus. So corona is a family of viruses. SARS is a coronavirus. MERS is a coronavirus. No way. Um, okay. So that's why I, mean, I saw this post where I'm one learning. of my formal, uh, former high school classmates um, was freaking out because she looked on the back of a Lysol um, container and it detailed the types of um, bacteria and viruses that it helps get rid of. Um, and it said coronavirus. So she was thought, oh my gosh, this is, uh, they've predicted this, how is this possible? And, but corona is just a family of viruses. So this, this new corona, it's called novel corona. And it's actually named corona because of the structure of the virus itself. It, the proteins on the outside look kind of like a crown Oh, They're all cool. spiky. Um, and the proteins are itself what gives it such a high affinity for human cells. So um, that's why it's called Corona. So this is Corona, um, novel Corona um, 19 because it came out in 2019 at the end of the year. I'm sure the beer company is real thrilled that it looks like a crown and that <laughs> we're not calling it the crown virus instead. Well, I mean, it's just more about educating the public about what what corona means and all yeah. of the details about it. I think most that people don't know. It's like a it's like a great experiment. It's like a, a shitty reason to like do it, but at the same time it's like let's see what society works like if we can go like more online. Oh it's fascinating. Um, yeah. because there have been so many 
reasons why people have been reluctant to move things online. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really a test of the global government systems to really put in place their whole protective measures for diseases. It's like a strength. Things like that. Yeah, it's like a strength I mean, test. It's testing the markets. Yeah. The markets are going crazy right now, yeah, dropping <laughs> be- lower than what they were 10 years ago. Um, yeah, Monday was like the worst day ever, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, it's testing the CDC's ability to respond, to create new testing kits. Mm. Um, I heard on the radio that uh, Stanford came out with a new kit as of like two days ago oh, cool. to test corona but That's the biggest awesome. issue is that a lot of people who aren't in the endangered endangered population for corona are trying to demand these tests yeah which in one in one case it's good because they're trying to track the virus as it spreads but on the other hand those populations that aren't endangered are using those tests more so than the people who are endangered using the test and getting treatment, things like that. Yeah, they're hogging the test. They, or they want to hog the tests. They want to hog the the face masks and everything. Yeah, and the face mask things is like a whole other issue because the more people who buy face masks and don't understand that they are not beneficial whatsoever to people who don't have the virus, yeah. face masks are going to do nothing at all. Yeah. Um, and the type of mask that you need is an N95 respirator mask that fits to your face. Um so those are currently on back order because too many of the public are buying it, not knowing that it's not going to do anything to prevent infection. It's more for people who are already infected, protecting everyone else from them. But it also limits the amount of respirators and masks that the hospital has to prevent infection throughout the entire hospital. Because mm-hmm. there's only so much that you can do if you don't have masks or what we call PPE, personal protective equipment. If you don't have that, then the likelihood of you going into a patient's room, them having corona, then you walk out and go into another patient's room, if you don't change your gown or have those N95 respirator masks, you're basically just walking the virus from room to room, infecting the entire hospital. That's the other thing, like from a nurse's perspective or like a nurse in training, Mm -hmm. uh, an almost nurse. Junior nurse. A junior nurse, nurse nurse Claire. Um, Like what's the word on the street with all that? Like is there like a proper protocol for making sure the entire hospital doesn't get blown up by one uh, by one patient? I mean, it's generally the same protocol that you use for any hospital. Okay. I mean, you just, so you have your, have you it. have your, your standards in place of personal protection equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, you keep those who are immunocompromised kind of isolated or separated, or those who do have the virus, you keep them quarantined yeah. in a certain area. Um, I'm not sure how much we know right now on transmission of the virus um, in air. I mean, it's it's spread, it's airborne. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's spread through coughing. Mm-hmm. But if you, I'm not sure about how virulent it is in terms of whether or not patients need to be put in what we call negative pressure room that have separate circulating vents from the rest of the hospital so that if you go in, it's constantly circulating the air to pull the air down. Okay. Um, and filtering that out. Which is the opposite of a cruise ship ventilation system. 
Oh, I don't know anything about cruise ships. I've just, I just read the other day that the cruise ship, pressure? they just, yeah, they recycle all the air. So you're basically just breathing in the air that I everyone mean, else is I would is think breathing. that airplanes would do the same thing. Yeah, Which is absolutely. why a lot of people end up getting ill on airplanes. It's like crushing the travel industry right now. Oh, absolutely. I was looking at um, prices for flights because I wanted to visit my brother and his fiance in Dallas. And I was thinking, you know, in two weeks, if they postpone my classes further, then mm. I can just get a $75 ticket round trip to Dallas, That's go visit insane. my brother for three days and then come back here. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't really the best thinking um, but that's more of like a, a younger person's opportunistic thinking of hey travel prices are low while this horrible pandemic is crushing the world I might as well take a vacation yeah exactly sort of thing. why not you know as a uh, as a young and thriving millennial I think we should uh, well, I wouldn't we call should... myself a millennial I'm a little older than that You're a little older than a millennial a little younger no millennials are I believe from the 2000s on. I was born in the early 90s. Yeah, so you're a millennial. I, no, I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> I'm a millennial. I find that rather insulting, nonetheless. That's hilarious. Well, uh, no, millennial is someone who was in their teens when 2000 hit. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you learned something. Yeah, Generation Z is like the TikTok generation. Oh, yeah, I don't understand what that yeah. whole mess is about. I remember when Vines were created. I, so I got a Twitter right when Twitter came out, like two years after Twitter was created. You're on the you're on the border. So you're like, like... I remember when Facebook was what came out in like 2007 or 8. Yeah. I never had a MySpace, but I had a Facebook pretty early on. I actually got grounded for it. Oh, no. Because my, <laughs> my parents were really concerned about internet safety at that time and, like, internet predators. Yeah. Um, and yet here we are where my brother met his fiance on Tinder, and my parents are more comfortable with me online dating than they are with me in-person dating and meeting people at bars. Oh, that's, that's funny. So it's kind of, like, flipped, flipped in the past decade their viewpoint on, on internet safety, and whereas you never talk to strangers, now you order a car. <laughs> yeah. With a stranger driving. Exactly. To an unknown location at God knows what hour of the night. So, Ordering okay. pizzas, ordering... Well, that was always the case. Yeah, that's kind of old school. <laughs> yeah, it's really old school. Mm. I've been doing that since the 70s, at oh least. Gosh. Yeah, that's pretty funny, though, because it used to be just meeting people at bars was like... Or, I guess, just chatting them up at the library. Where's the best ch- place to chat people up? Coffee shops. Coffee shops. Yeah. yeah, just like, hey, you look interesting. Coffee What's shops the book you're reading? and um, bars, yeah. I would think. But now a lot of people aren't approaching other people. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of, I don't know if it's it's increased social anxiety or... I think it is. Um, there. I mean, I don't really want to delve into like the massive like anxiety and depression issues of the entire we don't population. have enough time it's only a 55 <laughs> yeah. minute podcast we we don't have like next 18 episode. hours next episode <laughs> yeah but i i mean i've it's become more of like a novel thing for people just to approach other people yeah even from what i've seen mm-hmm. working in both bars and coffee shops it mm-hmm. always kind of is more impressive when someone has uh the ball so to say just to come up and strike up a conversation because you don't see that yeah the cojones yeah um then again people also are lacking a lot of crucial social skills and make it very awkward or uncomfortable by approaching others yeah but it's a especially balance. with like all of the influx of technology and the decreased face-to-face interaction between people you find that more people just don't 
don't go up and talk to strangers at all. We're just gonna. They're more nervous about it. We're just gonna like ten years from now, we're gonna have like our avatars approach different <laughs> avatars. <laughs> well, it's like um, the movie. Oh shoot, Wally. Yes. It's like the movie Wally. I'm where so everyone's glad getting, you brought that up. I love that movie. Getting fat, which I yeah. think that really should be played in all schools. On loop. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's just a massive lesson to where the entire human species is going Um, we've been talking in school about how um, insurance companies in probably the next decade or less are going to start dinging people for obesity Mm. and those who are morbidly obese are going to be losing coverage due to their weight or be like just not have coverage or have increasingly less coverage Um, and those who are smokers and things like that doing high risk um jobs are probably going to get less coverage insurance wise just because of the amount of costs they later accrue due to those those issues well, that's that they interesting partake in. i mean obviously you guys learn all the like boots on the ground like nursing techniques and stuff but what do you guys like what do you guys talk about in terms of like food is medicine and like this whole like a more like dra- a holistic yeah approach? this whole like drama going on with like insurance and stuff well, we don't talk too much about insurance. That's sort of like an aside yeah. that many people will talk about. Um, it's not a central topic. I almost wish we had a class purely on insurance because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like me buying insurance for myself, I don't really understand how it works. Nobody and I does. feel like because I'm directly involved in the process anyway, I should know yeah. how it works. Um, but it's just not talked about kind of like how, how to do your taxes isn't talked about in high schools. Um, kind of like a no-brainer, but Preach. just how to buy a car, how to buy a house, what is a mortgage, wow. things like that. They're not talked about, I don't and think, they should be. I don't think we were prepared for these many truth <laughs> bombs so early in the day. Yeah, so it's, I don't know, we don't talk about that as much. We do talk about ethics. I'll yeah. have ethics in the summer, mm-hmm. um, which should be interesting considering I've never had an ethics course in my life. You seem pretty ethical. Um, that's sad. <laughs> Truly, I'm just an asshole. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I love it. I mean, I'm not saying the plague is great, yeah. but... Well, you're a pretty cool asshole. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I can't... I haven't done enough research on the last pandemic. Yeah. Like, true pandemic. Mm. Um, but it'll be interesting how this adjusts population and how we look at the world itself and our impact on it. I mean, just looking at the emissions in China since they yeah. stopped production... Uh, pollution has dropped off considerably. I didn't even think about that. Um, there's some great pictures of, like, um, infrared pictures of Wuhan and those areas in China that have kind of quarantined themselves that show um, just the lack of air pollution. And just wow. how, I mean, looking from, like, two months ago to today, what was all red from air pollution and exhaust from plants and things like that is just totally blue like it's calm it's taking a massive dive That's, yeah but you know. the the other thing that we have to consider is as soon as things start back up it's just gonna restart so it's it's how much has the i guess couple months that this virus has bought us of decreased pollution and things like that how much of an impact is that really gonna have yeah it's testing us it's like testing us with like different ways to like develop technology like cleaner technology Mm -hmm. different ways of like organizing like society basically like 
hey, I work at Google, but I haven't stepped foot in that office building in like years, you know? Yeah. That sort of thing. I mean, remote, remote access to things is going to be really interesting. It's going to impact a lot of trade, obviously, mm. with the markets and with travel and things like that. A lot of travel is going to suffer. A lot of local businesses are going to suffer. Definitely um, around here, like uh, like Millie's, that yeah. guy was saying. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to John about it, um, and he's signing up. What I know from when he took over Millie's, he didn't want to do mobile ordering, but he's kind of had his hands tied with this because expecting a lot of in-person visitors to drop off he's signing up for uber eats yeah. and all of the other online services that can do mobile ordering for coffee yeah and considering setting up a window where people can just order ahead pick up their coffee and leave and other places i received an email from starbucks about how they are restricting a lot of locations to mobile ordering and drive through only Wow, so they're doing their part to like cut down. Mm-hmm. A lot of places are going to be slowing in-person business just due to this. It's fascinating. I mean, there's a lot of like terrible stuff going on, but like there are some. I can definitely like see the silver lining like loud and clear mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's it's really interesting overall how much this is going to change things. It's really unprecedented. Yeah. Well, how's it changing uh, nursing school for you? Is it like freeing up time or like what's going on? Um, I'm actually a little irritated that I don't have in-person classes just Uh-oh. because I learn better in person. I'm more of a hands-on. Same here. I'm, um, I'm very need, visual. Yeah, I need to be in an environment that is focused. Yeah. Um, I need to be where I can see a professor one-on-one and ask questions and things like that. I'm not mm-hmm. very good at the retroactive listening to a online recording and then emailing my questions or texting them to the professor and things like that. Um, So that's going to be challenging for me. I've already decided to block off my time where I would be in class and dedicating those times to listening to the lectures and studying and things like that. But it's definitely going to change things. Um, I'm not really sure how my labs are going to pick back up considering I'm supposed to have like checkoffs and practicals and things like that. So we'll see. I'm hoping that it doesn't push my graduation date back. That's all like those things you just said are all in-person things you have to do in person. Oh yeah. yeah. That's why you can't have the entirety of any sort of like medical school or nursing or any health school online. Yeah. They don't exist. <laughs> yeah. It's for, they you, don't exist for right, a reason. They have to know, can you set up an IV? Yeah. Can which, you like do stitches right it's things like that like can you do your patient rights check medications check orders and administer medications to a patient in person absolutely because that doesn't matter you can only do so much on a video camera what sort of um what sort of nursing do you want to go into are there like different verticals and stuff um i've thought about it a lot but because i haven't had a lot of my classes or clinical rotations yet Mm -hmm. I haven't really narrowed it down but I know I definitely want to do something that's either with the OR or emergency department or ICU something like that that's very hands-on and demanding um, that is physically mentally and emotionally exhausting um, because those are often the most rewarding things at least for me being on my feet having to think and it's the kind of things where there's such an importance to what you do because any false move could mean someone's life. Life and death, like right. every day. 
Right. And those are also the ones that require more knowledge. So those are the ones where you're going to have to think on your feet. You're going to have to know all the drugs. You're going to have to know the adverse reactions. You're going to have to know if you can't give this, then what else do you do? How are you going to figure out what the solution is when you have all of these moving pieces? So for me, it's, it needs to be something that's, I don't know. A workout for your brain. Yeah, mentally demanding. Um, I've never been good at stagnancy or working, working things where I don't have to think on my feet. Yeah, it's, I find it's, those are rather dull. <laughs> and I get very bored and kind of um, lose my worth e- work ethic. You mean you don't want to like graduate from nursing school and work for the man, do some sort of pharmaceutical like <laughs> office job? No, I've, I mean I've tried doing research in that. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. What sort of research? Um, so right after I graduated um, from William and Mary, I worked at Boston Children's Hospital, and cool. I was. Oncology department um, doing immunology work, and I worked in um, what's called flow cytometry. Wow, that's that's a wild word. (laughs) I'll explain. (laughs) So, flow cytometry is cell sorting and analysis at high speeds. So, essentially, you take a vial of cells and you input them through, like individually, through lasers. And the lasers are set at different frequencies to elicit a fluorescent response from the cells. And the cells themselves are what we call tagged with certain fluorochromes. These are basically, um, I don't know, think of it as like bright little beads that you put on the cells at different colors. And when you shine the laser on these, the different colors can be excited by whatever wavelength of that laser. So what you can do is as you're running these cell samples, you set the parameters of what you want. And through that, you can separate different cell populations, looking at specific cells. So it's incredibly important for cancer research because you can find out the number of cancer cells in a population, the number of healthy cells, et cetera. So one of the things that we did was we would take samples of bone marrow from cancer patients, from these children in the hospital, and we would tag them and we would sort them. And then what you do when you sort them, you set the parameters for the populations that you want and you have them divided into two tubes. You have the population you want and then you have the waste cells that you just get rid of. So with the population you want, the healthy cells, you can kind of differentiate the the stem cells that you want, the healthy cells, and then reintroduce them into the patient. So you take out the bad cells and you want only the good stuff and then you put it back into the patient, the child. And it helps increase the number of healthy, these like blood cells, the bone marrow produces blood. No way, you're just, it's like microscopic like um, amputation, or you're just like, just separating them and like throwing them away. Well, yeah, you take out the bad ones and then you only use the good ones. That's very cool, flow cytometry. mm -hmm. So we were a flow core, it was myself and the head of the flow core, he created the lab. Um, Ron and shout out to Ron <laughs> Ron Matthew the man the myth the legend the creator of the flow lab and then um, myself and Manaz and Manaz is this sweet woman um, her son is like all grown up and in college and whatnot but she worked with Boston Children's Hospital and Brigham Women's Hospital um, we were also partnered we did some sorting for Beth Israel Hospital 
and we were partnered with the Harvard Stem Cell Institute and we worked with one specific lab at MIT. Cool. So it was a three-person team that serviced three hospitals and research labs and then some of MIT. You guys are kind of a big deal. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty big. But granted, a lot of what we did was training researchers how to use the different flow cytometers. So a lot of them were just doing flow, like, flow work and cell analysis on their labs. There was only, I think, one specific group in the hospital that would do the sorting for reintroduction into the patient. And because that was such a high high contamination risk procedure, we would have to shut down the lab for the rest of the day to sterilize everything. Like we would have to prepare a couple hours in advance, make sure everything was sterile. And then we would have to basically um, blacklight sterilize everything after for a couple hours just to make sure that everything was cleaned of human cells. Because you don't want to mix them up. Mm -hmm. What were the results? Um, it depends. Um, oh, case generally, by case. yeah. Yeah. I wasn't really privy to that information. Oh. Um, okay. I mean, we didn't really get a lot of information just because of HIPAA. Oh, um, that makes sense. Yeah. They yeah. have to protect the patient mm. and all of their information. All their data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't really. I wasn't working with the patients specifically. I was in a separate building. We were kept out of that information. We just had to know that we were sorting these cells for what end. Gotcha. And that was pretty much it. So that's kind of like tied into this whole like genetic revolution I feel like we're beginning to see. Do you, do you like see any of that or know anything about that? Do you guys have any genetics classes? I'm not sure if we have genetics classes. Um, with nursing, you don't deal too much with genetics. That's it's kind of in the like weeds, a, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I took genetics in, in Oh, you school. did? Mm -hmm. At William & Mary? Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I took genetics, I took immunology, I took virology. Mm. Um, You're like an expert on this corona, then. You're the perfect I mean, person to have on this abandoned campus. Um, yeah, it's a ghost town out here. It really is. Um, so with, with that being said, there are some things I understand about genetics. There is technology that's been kind of really um, interesting to learn about over yeah. the past decade, two decades, called um, CRISPR-Cas9. I've heard of CRISPR. Mm -hmm. In um, China, they didn't they kind of like enhance the DNA of two like baby Chinese twins? I think so. They've done a lot of work with it. Um, and of course, there are massive arguments within the ethics of using CRISPR, massive. using it to, yeah. um, to eradicate certain genetic diseases, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but recently, I was actually talking to one of my... Um, one of my friends from undergraduate about the use of CRISPR in creating um, a cure for HIV. Because you basically what CRISPR does is you can find specific spots on a genome and you can either cut or insert different DNA pieces. So basically it's just genetic modification. Yeah. Um, which if you think about it, we've been doing this not necessarily with CRISPR, but genetic modification for a while. I mean, that's why Monsanto exists with Roundup Ready corn and other things like that. Um, so it has a lot of potential for good. However, it also has a lot of potential for bad usage. Monsanto, for example. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's interesting the 
potential that it has, but right now it's still such a new technology that the ethics boards governing the use are very tight-lipped I on guess, what you can and can't do. I guess you're right. We're like, we're already kind of like in the middle. We take for granted certain things like the corn that we have today is not the corn from like mm -hmm. 200 years ago. So we're already doing a lot of like small stuff already, like in the grocery store. Like I feel like even stuff like broccoli didn't even exist back in the day. Well, there are there are some ways that we have advanced um, like cross pollinating techniques. Oh, yeah. So there are I actually did research in high school on a company out in California called Colorful Harvest that use cross-pollinating techniques to bring back heirloom species of vegetables. I mean, they had um, orange cauliflower. Oh, no and way. And they had rainbow carrots. Rainbow carrots. Mm -hmm. Sign Which me up. A lot of people have seen rainbow carrots that range from, like, pale white all the way to very dark purple. Those are heirloom carrots that used to be very prevalent. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the pollens in the old um, heirloom plants stemmed from over in Europe and Italy and things like that. A lot of potatoes in South America, things cool. that you can just create through old-fashioned cross-pollinating techniques, not genetically modified at all. I think that's so awesome. But corn, Monsanto has really created this monopoly over corn, and corn is a horrible, horrible driver of so many things in this country. Obesity. Yeah. Um, corn I mean, syrup. Corn syrup is horrible. Basically, we don't have... Corn is cheap. Yeah, But real cheap. But it's also very costly because corn leaches nitrogen out of the soil, making it hardly possible at all to grow any other plants unless you rotate it with nitrogen-fixing plants. Um, it's also almost undigestible by a lot of cattle and other animals that we feed it to. It's not what they typically eat, and it's harder for them to digest. So it's, it's having an effect on their life and everything like that um, and humans weren't necessarily bred not that we were bred but like <laughs> yeah we were bred by yeah. like ancient aliens right we were we didn't necessarily evolve that's to, another podcast too <laughs> to eat corn yeah that's I mean that's so true it's like even costly from like a downstream perspective mm -hmm. like think about I feel like sugar is like the number I don't know probably the number one like thing responsible for like our like massive healthcare debt. Sugar, um, well, I would say lack of self self control. Yeah, that's um, true. That's much. I, I like that better. It's much more. I mean, it appeals to like philosophical. Our, um, the very primal parts of our brains, good that yeah. are immediately mm -hmm. rewarding, but yeah. aren't necessarily good for us. Um, so lack of self control, lack of education mm. on how if you buy things like rice and fresh vegetables and know how to cook things, then it ultimately is cheaper than buying junk foods. Um, so it'll be, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. There are a lot of young people that are moving more towards the farmer's markets and yeah. the buy fresh, buy local movements and things like that. Yeah. So long as we can kind of step away from big industry. Do your own meal planning and kind of like get a little bit more local. You can get local with most stuff. Yeah, especially being in touch with places that do a lot of local farmer's markets. Virginia is a great place for yeah. farmer's markets. There's a wonderful one here in Charlottesville. And there's also like local butcher shops, like JM Stock, for example. Mm. I don't typically eat 
sausage unless I know where it's coming from. Sanitary um, reasons? Uh, health just reasons? Health reasons. Um, I mean, if you know that it's coming from a local butcher shop, you know that they're going to be using a local farmer, typically. Yeah. Um, they're going to be making it themselves. It's You're going to weed out a lot of the bad techniques that are used in mass production, such as, um, like, the gross pink slime that they use to make chicken nuggets and things like that. You're yeah. kind of, like, getting rid of that because you know that a butcher is going to be chopping up the meat himself and using a grinder and stuffing the casings and everything like that. So you know it's going to be a lot better for you, taking away a lot of the preservatives and other things like that. It's fresher. Plus the taste is insane. That And you also come into the con into the topic of ethical treatment of animals as well. That's true too. Um, that breaks my heart. I mean, you know, in a lot of ways there's like, it's like kind of hard to like just, you know, have a stop stopping point like all right society go off me you can't tell people what to do but it's like i hope in like a couple years we kind of like separate ourselves from all that um have you heard of like uh like like farming in a shipping container like oh back when i was in high school we did some research on um kind of like using skyscraper farming yeah and like other ex- things like vertical that. farms mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that was back in like I guess 2010 mm-hmm. when those things were kind of just beginning ideas and now they're becoming more of a, a feasible project that people can do um, especially with like the movement into hemp and CBD and all of the windows that that absolutely opens mm-hmm. um, especially for textiles I mean creating flooring for housing would be immensely cheaper to use hemp rather than wood they also have hemp concrete like yeah, and, yeah, and they can make, um, what is it, porous sidewalks and porous roads through no hemp. Way. What does that do? Um, it's a lot better for the ground than underneath. Oh, okay. Um, so it also creates less of an issue with runoff, water, less flooding, oh, um, less pollution of the water. Let's it breathe more. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I feel like I have seen that. I've, I, um, there's a coffee shop in Albemarle County that's got like a breathable driveway. They've got, oh, like, yeah. a sign. They're, like, they're giving themselves a shout-out. Yeah. We've got a breathable driveway, guys. And there are people who are using, like, high, my own high school used recycled um, tennis shoes to make oh, the track. Oh, cool. So yeah. the track is mm-hmm. bouncy. It's rubber. It's better for your joints. Yeah. Um, it's Much better. Not, it's not as bad for the environment, although I don't really know the details of what goes into chopping up the shoes and then creating that, <laughs> yeah. that track itself. Um, in, it sounds interesting, regardless yeah. of what it, what goes down. Lots of different movements. And um, the electric car is becoming a lot more popular. Absolutely. Um, Teslas, it's you can't really find used Teslas because once someone buys one, they're not giving it up. They're never giving it up. So. They last a lot longer. There's a lot less, like, points of uh, stress mm-hmm. than a gasoline Oh, you go engine. six years without having any maintenance. Yeah. I spent, I was in Arizona back in August visiting some nursing schools and I spent probably an hour and a half in the Tesla showroom awesome (laughs) in Scottsdale uh, talking to this salesman about Tesla's in the future of the market there they're overturning everything yeah oh they um, if there's any problem with your car it's usually you just need to have the tires rotated yeah every few Mm -hmm. years but they will ship a service person out to you they'll fly them out wherever you are to 
fix up your car. And there's no dealerships. There's no. They got there rid are of that. They got rid of that model of the uh, old school dealership. Like there, there's no incentive to sell you anymore because all of them are owned by Tesla. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with a Ford dealership, that's independently owned and they make all their money off like like the car like going to hell in like a year or two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's some very. <laughs> very few and far between dealerships of Teslas, but it's really just a showroom that has their three models, I guess. Um, Maybe a fourth one if their truck ever takes off, but it looks horrible, so we'll see. Yeah, that's a very, like, divisive topic. People either hate that thing or love it. I am in the, like, I love Teslas, and that's the ugliest thing in the world camp. It just doesn't look aerodynamic at all yeah it just looks like we're going backwards to the box car rather than to the smooth looking bullet shape of a car we're like going backwards and forwards because that thing looks like it should be on mars it doesn't look like it should be here (laughs) it's closer closer to a mars rover than to an actual electric car what i'm excited for is robot taxis they've got the technology but the it's just not legalized yet but um in a couple years you'll be able to buy a tesla and then when you're at work you just put it on uh taxi Mm. mode if you want and it can just go uber people around oh that's interesting yeah yeah it'll be it'll be neat to see what kind of happens especially with the oil industry yeah the oil industry is like plummeting right now well, most of that is just um, disagreements between Saudi Arabia and Russia. Oh, that's right true. Now. Yeah, that's really what's kind of driving driving oil prices crazy. Um, gas prices are dropping below two dollars a gallon. Um, hey, another <laughs> another silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think um, we might see gas prices lower than what I can even remember back in the early '90s. Wow. Um, probably lower than ever since I started driving. You were driving when you were like three years old around the farm? No, I was, <laughs> no, I wasn't. Um, no, I didn't really drive until I was like 15, 16 when I actually got my permit. But there's, I don't know, it'll be, it'll be wild. Yeah, I used to, I used to drive, I'd driven a couple times when I was like seven years old, but just in a field, nothing and highly supervised (laughs) it was it was on my mom's lap okay guys (laughs) when um when i just started driving when it would snow my dad would take me out to an empty parking lot and teach me how to how to drift and do donuts on the safety reason of me learning how to drive in the snow seriously what to do when the turn into the skid and everything like that Mm -hmm. how to unlock them um, so it was more of a safety safety lesson. Safety lesson. Well, yeah, for me when I was driving, and then he would drive and just do donuts and everything just and have, have fun, fun with it. Yeah. But for me, it was more of like a safety lesson. So now I'm pretty good at driving in the snow. Cool. Um, granted, the dangerous part is everyone else who's driving who doesn't know how to drive. Exactly. Um, you don't get that as much up north. Like when I used to live in New England. Yeah. Everyone pretty much knew how to drive. You could drive in two feet of snow and you'd be fine. They were like, but down oh. here it starts flurrying and people just lose their people their lose their minds in San Diego. They lose their minds over mm. like a half inch of rain. Well, they have no infrastructure and their roads aren't created. Yeah, to handle their roads got snow. like I remember when I lived out there for a summer. Their roads got all greasy. Like it, mm. it rained like three times for thirty minutes each time, and it just got all like greasy mm-hmm. afterwards. And people are like running through the streets. Yeah. Like 
the the most dangerous time to drive um, when it starts raining is the first 15 minutes because that brings all the oils to the surface. Oh wow! So after that, I, I did mean, not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in that in driver's ed back yeah. in 2008. Can you um, ah driver's ed during the financial crisis? Yeah, I know. Very when cool. I, when I started driving, I was really limited on how much I could drive because gas was near four dollars a gallon oh damn so I was I forgot about that I was monitored with my driving because you just couldn't afford to drive that much yeah not not in that day and age now I'm like I'll just go for a drive on a Sunday how is uh how is your parallel parking skills Mm. that's the real question I'm unsurpassed on parallel parking unsurpassed yeah wow so you're trying to have a competition later Absolutely. Okay, cool. I, I don't need the rear view <laughs> camera. I can parallel park anywhere. We have a little gangster here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually, I've um, shown up one of my, actually it was one of my um, formal dates in college because he couldn't parallel park his car. And so I told him just to get out and let me do it. And he was a little upset. Um, <laughs> get out, Travis. <laughs> He's I'm embarrassed. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> he was embarrassed. It was fine. Um, that's funny. We won the margarita challenge, so... What was the margarita challenge? Uh, there is a place in Williamsburg that has 64-ounce margaritas. Woof. So that's half a gallon. Yeah. And <laughs> you and your date had to race another couple to finish the margarita. What was the tequila content? Whatever the restaurant put in it. Nice. Who knows? Very fun. Wow, you guys yeah. turn up in, uh, it, at William & Mary. At William yeah. & Mary, we get wild. You guys get a little cray. Yeah, no, only for, for what we call blowout, which is the last day of classes. That's when blowout. you wake up early and you drink all day. Cool. Um, you go to class and you drink during class and everything like that. It's kind of a, a shambly mess. A little, little shambles? A little bit. It sounds fun. I mean, you find people passed out all over the sunken gardens and everywhere. <laughs> um, no one really makes it past like 3 or 4 p.m. You need to educate me on Williamsburg. Is there a big party culture there? I don't, yeah, I wasn't no, sure. I've well, only been to Bush Gardens. Oh, I love Bush Gardens. It's great. Um, I used to go, while I was there for undergrad, I would go every year during Halloween. Yeah. Um, because they would, they would give us a discount ticket for students. Nice. So we would go, it was like 20 bucks, and they would run a shuttle, and you would go sometime early in the morning when the park opens around 10, and you'd stay all yeah. day, and then have fun with the the dressed up workers for bush gardens chasing you after sundown for hollow screen cool um but aside from that williamsburg is is cute it's a good area um to be in it's very safe um there's colonial williamsburg which borders the college Um, i lived i think less than 100 yards from colonial williamsburg um, for part of my time there which is a good place to, to run. There are really great restaurants down there. We have like four bars. Nice. So four. That's a lot of bars. There were five when I was there, and then oh, one closed no. down. Oh no! One closed down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's actually where I learned. Um, one of the bars is where I learned to bartend. Oh, cool. Um, and it, most of them have been there since when my uncle went back in the '60s. Wow. So they're really into their traditions. Oh yeah. I mean, being the second college in the country, it's all tradition. What was the first? Harvard. Harvard. And I think 1662 or 3, maybe. Wow. We Mary was 1693. Okay. So we were preceded by about 30 years. When did UVA come along? I should know this. Oh, goodness. I have no idea. Um, I I really should know this, but if Thomas Jefferson went to William & Mary... 1770s-ish. Okay. 1760s, maybe. Okay. 
I'm not entirely sure, but it had to be somewhere around there. I'll look that Thomas up later. Jefferson was a signer of the Declaration. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm a little harsh on UVA. Oh. For a lot of reasons. Oh, let's let's <laughs> dig into the goss. We got some juicy goss here. No. What are you I'm in? Just, what are you in a fight? Are you, you feuding? <laughs> You're feuding, aren't some, you? Just some historical um, issues with some of the students who are so so pretentious about UVA's mm. culture and superiority, Absolutely. whereas William and Mary were really the creators of Absolutely. college institutions in Virginia. You guys are the silent OGs. I mean, we had multiple presidents graduate from William and Mary. George yeah. Washington didn't graduate, but he got his serving license there. Jefferson. Serving for, like, food and... Surveying. Oh, surveying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he got his surveying license. Oh, cool. Um, James Monroe... Goodness, the number. James Madison, for one. I had no idea those guys were so young in 1776. I saw like an infographic. It was like Monroe was 18. I've. Oh yeah, and imagine, imagine people, uh, your age when you were in college, signing a <laughs> yeah, declaration signing, for an like, entire country. Exactly, just finishing a half gallon mm-hmm. of a margarita and then going to sign the declaration. Well, I don't think they had tequila back then. <laughs> yeah, but... I don't think not there at least. <laughs> Maybe like a couple thousand miles south. Yeah, it's Maybe. kind of fascinating. There are also a lot of stories on how UVA was so close to failing um, based on student uprisings. Student uprisings. Mm-hmm. They were mad with their grades or student loans or what? No. <laughs> no. I mean, if you think about it, it was a bunch of um, rich, white, young, aristocratic men yeah. coming to school here yeah. who... There were duels. Um, there was one where... A, um, a professor's office was bombed or something like that. No way. That's um, intense. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why UVA almost didn't make it. <laughs> the original frat bros? Yeah, yeah, basically. And that's part of what UVA's culture is today. Exactly. It's, it's a just lot of kind of carried on. The historic start of the school is that particular population. Yeah. And it's just carried on carried on for years I mean obviously I love it because I was born here and I grew up here but definitely it's yeah, got to recognize the uh, the messed up parts of it for sure and there's plenty yeah I mean it's still it's still a great great university and it's done extraordinarily well especially with the the previous uh, NCAA champion team for oh basketball my god I was um, so if you can just imagine over there it's just covered in students we we uh, watched it on the corner and then like ran down the street like running of the bulls <laughs> yeah. and like there's like 5,000 people in the streets under the bridge next to Boylan and everyone's just losing their minds Boylan's playing like uh, dance music from the speakers <laughs> and everyone's like everyone's crowding the streets everyone's crowding the streets yeah. and passing around like little like I don't know like little freezy pop shooters and like passing around joints and stuff and everyone came up here and they're just getting loose it was yeah. fun. The doctor that I worked for was, um, <laughs> he was really, really pleased. Um, he went to UVA for undergraduate and medical school. Sweet. So he was, he was so happy. He has season tickets with the football team for the, well, I guess all sports teams. That's awesome. So, yeah. It I was, was good for him. I cheered for UVA for that reason only. I mean, my dad <laughs> went to Virginia Tech, reason. so it's a oh, little bit okay. of a rivalry since when I was young. You've got some turmoil going on with the whole tech versus uva thing a little bit i mean tech's football team is inherently better it's been Not about this time year. well it's been about Hey-o. time 
Virginia Tech has been on a downward spiral for a little bit. Yeah. Last few years after we did they okay lost the after beams. Beamer left, but it's about time. Um, it's gotten to the point where Virginia Tech winning for the past 15 years was really kind of dull, boring. I stopped going to football games pretty much for that reason. And I didn't go to that game on the off chance that they were going to lose again. So I was like, you know what, maybe next year, but uh, we'll wait and see. I did go to the basketball game, though, the Louisville game. For some reason, they hadn't put in the coronavirus thing yet. So <laughs> that was the last regular season game. Yeah. But March Madness is no uh, spectators. Did you hear about that? I did. Families and I think families and yeah, coaches, and officials only. Yep. Um, well, they canceled the NBA season. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard anything about football or not football and um, baseball yet. Um, yeah, I'm supposed be to go to the baseball game, um, the Nationals game on Saturday. So I don't really, oh. I don't really know how that's going to go. How was the Caps game? Which one? The one you just went to. Um, <laughs> Which <it> was, one? <laughs> it was disappointing. I mean... Did you make a sign for... Uh, I don't really make signs. Oh, you don't make signs? Did you paint no. your face? No. Oh. No. I wore my jersey. Okay. Um, well, that's good enough. Which back, jersey? Backstrom. Okay. Um, I have a, a away jersey. It's white Backstrom jersey. But my family has a whole bunch of, bunch of jerseys. Um, each person has a different player. My mom has... I think everyone in my family has two or three jerseys except for me. You just have one? Yep, I just have one. So I'm in the market to get a couple more. She's in the market, folks. Yeah, if, if anyone wants to buy me a jersey, hit yeah. me up. <laughs> hit her up. <laughs> um, or take me to a game. I'm also I'm down for that. Yes. Yeah, the, the game with the Flyers, it, was, it started off really well for the first period. Um, I think we were up 2-0 maybe, and then we just kind of lost it, and we lost to the Flyers. Which the Flyers are kind of on a hot streak right now. I think they're second in the division. Penguins third last time I checked. But that has certainly changed since the game against the Flyers because we lost to the Rangers, which was a little rough. And then we beat the Penguins 5-2, to two, which that's always nice to hear. Brush your shoulder <laughs> off. It was fantastic. I mean, I was very proud of, proud of my boys for fighting and standing up for their teammates. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what Kovalchuk, the new addition, who is now the oldest player on the Capitals. He's 36. Ovechkin is 34, I believe. So old. Um, so it's it's really exciting to see how Kovalchuk does as a leader, and especially just because he's been in the league so long. He's been in the NHL for 18 years, I think. That's forever um, in pro sports time. Yeah. He actually goes way back with uh, the Capitals coach, Todd Reardon. So Todd Reardon was one of Kovalchuk's I guess, um, friends and kind of um, like a mentor to him when Kovalchuk came over from Russia to play in the NHL. Cool. Um, Kovalchuk would help uh, Reardon with his Russian and mm -hmm. Reardon would help Kovalchuk with his English. <laughs> so they go way back to before, I mean, back to when Reardon's kids were born, I think, and Reardon was there when Kovalchuk had his children and got married and whatnot. Forever so ago. Yeah. 18 years ago. So is hockey your main sport? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have almost entirely given up on football. Um, I used to be a big college football fan. Yeah. But I've pretty much given up on that. Who was your team? So for college football, it was the Hokies. Okay. Um, there were a lot of teams that I didn't like, more so than the teams that I liked. Okay. Just based on the rivalries with Tech. Like, I don't like Duke for anything. Yeah. Um, didn't like... 
Michigan. Now I'm kind of struggling because my brother's fiance is a big Ohio State fan. Oh, and that's that always... is such a struggle. I know. Oh man, so... you got to do something about that. <laughs> you got to like hypnotize her in her sleep no. or something. No, she's great. I've I've just kind of given her that one. Yeah. But just let her have it. When I worked in Boston, I became a Patriots fan. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, obviously, it's Tom Brady's of... the man. You know, it doesn't. <laughs> Gronk was my boy. Oh, Gronk. I loved Gronk. Now he's getting started in the WWE. Is he really? Yeah, I heard on the radio yesterday that he's starting to make that transition. No way. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm yeah. not really going to watch any of it. But it's all, it's like. I want him to do well. WWE is like Broadway. It's like all, it's all theater. <laughs> yeah, it's Which, theater. I mean, if you have a, a party boy like Gronk, he's good at that stuff. Oh, he's going to be great at it. He'll probably like shotgun a natty I mean, light beforehand. He's been in music videos and things like that. Yeah. He's, he's been in the public eye for a lot of things. I wonder what his name is going to be. Gronk. Gronkmaster? Gronkowski? <laughs> I think that Gronky. you just need Gronk. <laughs> the, the Gronk. The Gronk. The Gronker. Um, but it's kind of hard when you work for an organization in Boston that's partnered with the Patriots. So many big organizations are that they do so much charitable work. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to like them. Um, well, they I keep also, winning. They do. Um, they would do routine uh, fundraisers and other things for the Children's Hospital and do appearances. And every single year um, that I was up there, Gronk would... Um, he would raise money for leukemia research and have one of the children shave his head every That's single awesome. year. Um, and then I also did some work with my my sorority in Boston, the alumni organization with um, the Boston Marathon and the Red Sox. Sweet. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, I got to take some of the um, some of the runners to a Red Sox game um, because my sorority is partnered with. Um, a lot of visually impaired people. We do, um, let's see, we have a philanthropy called Service for Sight, which is entirely raising money for people who are either visually disabled or um, have visual impairments. So one of the things that we've done a long time in Boston is help um, the visually impaired and blind runners who are running the Boston Marathon. Um, They have guide runners who run with them. So we would raise money for hotels and transportation and all food and fees and things like that for the runners and their families. And we would take them out to dinner, drive them to the race points, and help them kind of get around. And then we would take them to a baseball game where the Sox had special setups for the people who were visually impaired to enjoy the baseball game with their family. Cool. We're given special headsets and microphones and things like that and given special seating. Oh, that's awesome. So it was really cool. Um, it's kind of hard... Not to, like, an organization that does things like that. Seriously. You know, you kind of see it from the, like, human perspective. Yeah. Not the, like, not the, the fans. <laughs> not the fan base perspective. Yeah, not of, the fan base. Not from rivalries. a New York Jets perspective. Well, that's not even a rivalry. No, I no, mean, it would nobody be, Nobody like, cares about the Yankees. Jets. <laughs> yeah. No, I did go see a, um, a Jets-Patriots game. Oh, yeah? I'm yeah. sure they, like, stomped on them. Yeah, but it was more so it was the coldest regular season game in Gillette Stadium history. Wow. It was 10 degrees. Were you bundled? I, I was in sleeping bags. I had so much insulation on, and I was still freezing. That's, I mean, I had hand warmers cool. in my boots. Um, people were wearing, like, Arctic gear, <laughs> like, full white snowsuits. 
It's like playing like a tactical Arctic gear. <laughs> playing a like game that. in Antarctica. Basically, that's great. It was so cold, and you were just sitting there, ten degrees for like four hours. Just yelling, yelling your lungs out. People would. I think one of the funniest things is people would keep buying beers. And it wasn't even in those aluminum cans. They were cups, but you would get halfway through drinking your beer, and it would freeze. It's like a beer slushy. Well, it would just freeze solid. Oh. So then a you'd go back cube. and get a beer, and you'd pay like fifteen dollars, and you'd drink half of it, and then it would freeze. You need like a warming, a heating pad for your beer. <laughs> so you look around after the game, and there would just be like piles of these like half, half-filled cups, just a frozen beer everywhere. Oh, fallen soldiers. It's the waste. <laughs> immense waste from that oh that's so cool tom brady's been doing a lot of cool stuff too um he's got like a, a new production company now out in hollywood really mm-hmm. I, but I just know that if he leaves the patriots then he's gonna retire immediately after because he's he better retire that doesn't make any short. sense to do a brett Favre and do two years with a random team but come on well he has said in the past that he will retire when he starts sucking and as soon as he goes to another team, he's going to suck and he's going to retire. Is that he's verbatim? Go I'll, I'll retire when I, when I start sucking. <laughs> I don't know. Sucking. I don't know the, the colloquial uh, Tom Brady the, terms the colloquial, that he uses. How do they, how, what do they say up in Boston? Boston? That's great. Well, Claire, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. I really so, appreciate it. Great way to spend my yeah. the beginning of my Corona vacation. The Corona vacation. <laughs> You're going to buy a, a $10 plane ticket to Miami. Thought about it. Yeah. I've thought about, about it too. to Fort Lauderdale like next weekend. Do but it. My fear is if I get down there and they cancel all flights, then I'll be stuck. Yeah. And then once I have <laughs> class again, tickets are going to skyrocket back up and I won't be able to get back. In other news, a local girl has been quarantined <laughs> <laughs> on an island in the Florida Keys. She only has margaritas and yeah. turkey sandwiches. Not, not worse. Bad. I've had champagne and tuna fish sandwiches, so that's like a that's like a bizarre rap song. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd listen to that one. No, neither would I. Didn't it might taste be a the best, but you know, might you be make, a club banger. You make do with when you're. You got to do what you got to do when tuna you're. Tuna fish and champagne. Is <laughs> yeah. Not the worst combination, but it's not the best. I was going to say that is not the worst, but it might be closer to the worst than the best. Yeah. Yeah, well, did fine. you have relish and mayonnaise, or did you do, like, Miracle oh, no, it Whip? Was, it was good. I mean, it was, like, a, a nice homemade tuna salad. Yeah, right. But kind of make do with what you've got. Well, do you want to shout out anybody? Any organizations you want to shout out to your Instagram? Anything you want to <laughs> Anything you want to say? Shout out to your Snapchat? <laughs> you know, everyone wash your hands. That's, <laughs> I think that is the best shout out one could possibly give right now. Wash your hands, people. Yeah, 20 seconds. And the biggest, the most important part of washing your hands isn't soap, it's water. Which is why hand sanitizer, even if you use it, you have to wash your hands every, I think it's six times that you use it. Yeah. Just because you are disinfecting your hands, but that grime and dirt is still on there. So after so many times, you just have to use soap and running water. The OR technique. Yeah. Yeah. How are your, uh, can I see your fingernails? Oh, you've got... Uh, short and clean. Short and clean. I love it. Clip short for clinicals. Yep. So no nail sure. polish. Keep them sterile. Keep them clean. Clean you're, under the nails. You're going to be an all-star nurse. Yeah, I hope so. You're going to be great. We'll see. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Of course, thank and, you. And uh, we'll see you guys next time.